Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. First, we're going to start off with a little monologue. How accurate are stories about Roswell, the Roswell UFO crash of 1947? What was the material from the crash site really like? Were uh, were local people really threatened by the U.S. Army? Are you just going to well, uh, well, yeah, yeah, well, well, welcome to the 454th edition, uh, rather uh, disheveled one so far, uh, of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Benino. I'm Paul, and those thought-provoking or just provoking questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my son, Ben. This evening, we're very pleased to have with us someone with first-hand memories of Roswell, New Mexico, and the events surrounding the famous crash of 1947. Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr. is a practicing physician and a specialist in something I can't pronounce at the U.S. Veterans Administration Hospital, Fort Harrison, Montana. He earned his degree in medicine at Louisiana State University in 1961, He is a U.S. Navy veteran of, among other things, the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962, when I was nine years old, by the way. His military service continued for decades, even involving service as a physician in the Gulf War when he was nearly 70. However, Dr. Marcel is best known as the son of Major, later Colonel Jesse Marcel, the Chief Intelligence Officer at Roswell Army Airfield in New Mexico in 1947, and the first officer on the scene of the famous crash about 75 miles away, generally thought to be that of a UFO, complete with alien bodies. Dr. Marcel is the author of The Roswell Legacy, the untold story of the first military officer at the 1947 crash site. Dr. Marcel, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thank you. Well, glad to be here. Oh, glad we could get you on. So before we get to our yeah. questions, uh, can you tell us about your own experiences in uh, Roswell in July of 1947? Well, yeah, in July of 1947, I was an 11-year-old kid, uh, uh, fresh out of going in a summer vacation uh, from school, enjoying riding bicycles and so forth, and, uh, uh, you know, just enjoying life in general. My dad was the uh, intelligence officer for the air base there, and uh, he had apparently been sent out to uh, collect some debris from a ranch out of Roswell, about 75 miles northwest of Roswell, and uh, he and the CIC officer picked up uh, some remnants of uh, something. They didn't know what it was, but uh, something very strange. And it's, as it happened, our house happened to be on the way to the base, so my dad dropped by the house to show my mother and myself what he had seen out there, or what he picked up out there in the desert. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning, but uh, but uh, he brought the stuff in the house, woke my mother and myself up, and we went in there to take a look at it. He was very excited, and uh, said uh, he thought that was parts of a flying saucer, but uh, I didn't know what that was at that time, but later found out. Mm-hmm. So that's where it started. Okay. Alrighty, so uh, what do you remember about the materials your dad brought home? Well, you know, there's quite a bit of it. Uh, uh, we drove a 1942 Buick at that time, and he brought in a, oh, a couple boxes of material and had uh, pre-positioned it on the kitchen floor so we could see it. The uh, first thing he wanted me to do was to look for any electronic components like uh, vacuum tubes, resistors, or condensers, but wiring, but there wasn't anything like that. Uh, I think he already knew that, but he just wanted me to reassure myself there wasn't. Uh, there was a lot of foil, a uh, very strange kind of uh, aluminum-type foil, but uh, not that really, but uh, 
there's uh, like black plastic material, like there's a broken phonograph record. And um, I guess the strange thing was these little beams that had uh, strange writing written across the face of them. And uh, uh, that's what I remember most about this. But uh, the foil itself uh, apparently was fairly indestructible, although uh, it was kind of creased and bent up there. But my dad said you couldn't even bend it with a sledgehammer the other day, yeah, when he got back home. But uh, I didn't see any of that, but that's what it was. Jeez, did you guys keep any of it? Sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, did you guys keep any of it? Oh, no. <clears throat> no, it's, you know, not mine to keep, actually. You know, uh, uh, the thought didn't even cross my mind to keep any of it. No, nor my dad either, because this, you know, it's thought to be Air Force property. And it wasn't ours to keep, just to look at and and look but don't touch, so to speak. So the official story was and is that the crash involved an experimental balloon. What do you think of that? Well, this is not a balloon. Uh, uh, you know, they first said this is a weather balloon, remnants of a weather balloon, and then uh, they changed the story to say this is a part of a mobile balloon, which is uh, actually a top secret device. But uh, uh, it's listening, it's listening device, something stratosphere to listen for nuclear explosions in the Soviet Union, but. Uh, but, you know, a balloon is a balloon. This is not a balloon. Uh, there's nothing like a... No, nothing... Even can, you know, can be confused there at all. Mm. All right, so do you know any people who were uh, threatened by the military and have been... Or have you been yourself been threatened by the military or watched over? Or like over you, know, uh, you know, some people say they had been threatened by the military or whoever. Uh, I was never threatened by it, but uh, I was asked one time to call a number if I ever got any phone threats, but uh, got some strange phone calls, but uh, no, nothing of a threatening nature. That's very interesting. You obviously had a distinguished military career of your own. You, you just touched on something that I'm very interested in. Um, uh -huh. The assumption always seems to be that the government is behind uh, men in black, all this stuff, you know, what have you. However, some of our experiences during research, and I've been at this for going on 43 years and been in together, we have like over 50 years of experience in the paranormal in general. We're not big UFO experts, but it does come up all the time, even in cases that start with quote-unquote ghosts. And I've often wondered, who is really behind whatever cover-up there may be, uh, any harassment that does take place, if it does, and we suspect that it might not be the government at all, but some, but some other kind of organization that, uh, and the government is just as much in the dark as anybody else. That, I mean, there's no way to prove that, of course. But what, what say you? Have you ever thought about that question? Is, is it the government or is it not? Or, or both? Well, yeah, as, it, as it turns out, I was uh, called to Washington uh, to be interviewed by somebody in the government uh, who wanted to know what I knew about the Roswell the debris site. Huh. And, uh, you know, he... Uh, you know, he and I, he interviewed me in a, in a secure room so that there's no microphones or anything else. But uh, uh, I asked him, well, who has this stuff? And he said, well, we don't know. Uh, he said, there's uh, what they call a black government. These are his exact words. There's a black government that has control of this. They, uh, they have unlimited funds. They, have, they don't answer to anyone but, the, by themselves, but themselves, and they're unelected. So... They think these are the guys who have it. It's not really the military or any uh, part of our our known government. A black government. Yeah, I think that's very, very telling. 
Uh, well, he's mentioned his exact words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, what, when did may I ask when that took place? Uh, 1990 or 1991. So not really all that long ago for people like you of our vintage, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, a year before Ben was born, though. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking, Ben, you know, of, of this case in in in, tar- in well Connecticut that I cannot get out of my mind. There've been all sorts of there was UFO sightings. With us, someone called us in because their house had a um, I suppose you might call it a ghost problem, but in our terms, a multiverse problem. You had things blending and taking place. And, and it, uh, it seemed to dovetail with an entire, if you pardon the use of the term, triangle in this vicinity, that uh, probably of about 30 square miles, that involved what seemed to be military activity uh, and, and the so-called abandoned farm that we checked out that uh, where, where this was taking place and all this business that uh, made me wonder if this really was the guy. So, so uh, maybe we're getting into an entirely new area here and... Um, uh, we'll have to perhaps deal with that on another show, as we do with, with other guests. You know, it's always the assumptions, Jesse, that we question. You know, and the, yeah. the assumption is the government's doing this, and uh, we don't really know that. And maybe they're just as much in the dark as we are. Uh, we are coming up on a break, however, and we will be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio and our very distinguished guest, Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr., And we'll be back again in just a moment to talk about the Roswell case and see where we can go with it. Thanks very much. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries. is 
Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our very fascinating guest, Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr. So we are talking of dif- of uh, the military. Do they really have control over these things or not? Or well, the government, rather. There we go. Uh, Jesse, you know, I'm not big on movies because I don't have the time. I kind of leave that up to Ben here. But uh, I did enjoy the 1994 TV film Roswell, the UFO cover-up with Martin Sheen and Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, with J.D. Daniels playing you. How accurate is that film? Well, you know, there was uh, fairly accurate. They did have some poetic license with it, you know, like uh, uh, they portrayed things that really didn't happen. Like there's, they, I guess there was supposed to be a reunion for the 509th uh, uh, that I certainly wasn't aware that happened. And, uh, you know, I, but me and they followed the party line pretty much so. Oh, okay. But uh, I'll you know, get poetic, been... poetic license to make it more interesting. Okay, that would have been 77, uh, at least in the film. Um, the Roswell case seems to have um, been successfully buried until the mid-1970s. Uh, why did your father come, decide to come out with a story that contradicted the balloon narrative? Or was this his 1978 interview with Stanton well, Friedman that brought it out, or was it before that, or what? Uh, Stan Friedman, actually, uh, I guess my dad had been talking, he's a radio amateur, and uh, I guess he had been talking to some uh, a ham there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, and he made note about something very interesting that happened in Roswell, you know, the, the debris field and things like that, and, and Stan heard about that. So Stan uh, went down to Homo, Louisiana, where my dad was, and uh, interviewed him, and that's where the story broke open. Oh, okay, and so that, it was Stan. All right, Stan Friedman uh, being, of course, the uh, yeah, grandfather of UFO uh, research and a, a very dear friend of ours and Jesse's and uh, frequent guest on the show here. Uh, the alleged misidentification of this wreckage, Jesse, doesn't seem to have been hindered your dad's career. And I, I find, and, and being a veteran myself, I find that very telling. Uh, he was soon promoted and went on to an important intelligence job in Washington, did he not? Exactly. Well, you know, he was a good soldier. He followed orders. He was told not to talk about it, and uh, that's the way it stood. Okay. Let me ask you this, and this is just sort of a a, a scheduling kind of question here. In 1947, uh, the U.S. Army Air Corps, which was at Roswell Army Airfield, uh, turned into the United States Air Force. Uh, When exactly did that that happen? In other words, when this crash occurred, your dad was actually in the Army, not the Air Force, because there wasn't any. Yes, Army Army Air Force. uh, he was attached to the 509th Composite Bomb Group, and as you know, they're the ones who uh, who uh, dropped the bombs on Japan at the yeah. end of the war. But the Air Force started, I believe, right at the end of that year, and he just immediately transferred over and became an Air Force officer? Yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, the, uh, the the whole issue of the nuclear connection here, and I know uh, Ben and I have had guests before who've, who've talked about this, uh, particularly Mr. Hastings, who was uh, an expert on uh, military officers who've been connected with UFO uh, experiences that are seemingly involved nuclear weapons. Uh, in your own opinion, what connection, if any, is there between a, this New Mexico UFO sighting and event and the nuclear activities that were taking place 
in that area at the time? Well, you know, I think, you know, these are... UFOs, I think, are actually uh, information-gathering probes. You know, they're uh, they're uh, like we're investing in, investing in other planets in our solar system. Uh, uh, they're interested in us, and, and New Mexico was kind of a hotbed for uh, military activity back in uh, in the 40s. You know, that's where they had the Manhattan Project, and sure. uh, the first uh, nuclear detonation was uh, in April, uh, July of 1945, just for the uh, um, Japan. And, uh, but that's, so, uh, uh, New Mexico was where the action was. And, uh, naturally, it would be very interesting in our nuclear activities. Yeah. Well, I was going to, uh, you anticipated one of our questions coming up about what the nature of UFOs might be. But before we get to that, I know that Stan Friedman is very, uh, very, uh, uh, convinced that one of the reasons that, that UFO, well, first he's convinced that they, they are alien craft of, of some kind. Uh, how they get here is an open question, but he, admit, he he believes that that's the case, and that they are doing exactly as you say, information gathering. Uh, <clears throat> do you uh, agree with his opinion that the reason they're information gathering is because we are a possible danger to the galactic neighborhood? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, uh, I think they have more to fear from us than we from them. Huh. Uh, knowing how we are with the warlike activities, you know, I saw enough of that in, in Iraq, you know, and. Uh, uh, and we tend to shoot first, ask questions later. So I think they're they're really kind of standing off just to see what we do. Yeah. Okay. Well, Stan certainly seems to agree with that. I don't know. I think there might be more to it, but I haven't had his experience or yours in that field. Uh, I'm just. And again, thank you for for your your decades of service to the country. I'm I, you know as a veteran myself, I'm I'm impressed by anybody who saw service in the Cuban Missile Crisis all the way through to the Gulf War. That, 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 that's well, you really hung in there, kid. I must say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been part of my life, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Big part. <laughs> thank you again. Um, as uh, there are many opinions on UFOs and what they are, and, and uh, as there are about the Roswell case itself, um, what, what, could you could you explain more about what your own opinion is about what UFOs are? Well, I think uh, these are intelligent. Uh, craft from other solar systems. Uh, you know, we're kind of new kids on the block as far as that goes. Uh, there are many, you know, the Kepler tele- telescope and, and others like it are finding planetary systems all over the place. And uh, some of these planets are very Earth-like, so it's no stretch of the imagination to, find, to think that there are uh, civilizations out there that are far in advance to what we are. So, uh, you know, we're, like I said, new kids on the block of some of these other civilizations may have been around for thousands to maybe even millions of years. So look how far away they, uh, how far they could be. Okay. Could there be multiple explanations for UFOs? In other words, could there be some that are as you say, and could there be others that are of a different nature but just as alien? Uh, yeah. You know, some people have theorized that these they could come from another dimension, yeah, uh, another galaxy. Uh, uh, who knows? You know, there. You know, there's all kind of possibilities. I don't discount anything. To tell you the truth. Okay. Now here's where it really starts getting weird, Jess. Uh, we, we Ben and I just got back from the Rendlesham uh, Forest area in England, which is uh-huh. our listeners know is the site of, of what is known as Britain's Roswell. Uh, where yeah. there were landings supposedly, and we we we, we did uh, 16 hours on the air with 
Colonel Halls and all these big witnesses, and we still do shows following up. We have a whole series of shows on that um, uh, on our website. The, the podcasts are still available to rentals, rentals from special specials of 2010 to 2011. But now, uh, when we were over there, our theory, and this is probably comes from starting out with ghost research when I was studying for the priesthood, and then ending up uh, with it leading into UFOs, just because it did. Uh, mm-hmm. to theories that there is, and this seems to be something that, that's catching on in the UFO community now, that we're dealing with a sort of a pan-paranormal scenario here. In other words, these events, whether it be uh, ghosts or UFOs, if they're taking place in the same area, could very well be related in that the process by which they manifest is is the same, and that, in our opinion, uh-huh. is, as you said, uh, transdimensional or multiversal Manifestations; those terms are really not the same thing, but it gets the point across. So, uh, when we were at Reynoldsham Forest, we uncovered not only, of course, all this uh, stuff that people have been researching for many years, uh, the 1980 sure. events experienced by the Air Force personnel there and other people, but also uh, psychic events, uh, Bigfoot sightings. Uh, we ourselves had some strange experiences there, uh, particularly at night, uh, and this sort of thing. So all this leads up to the question, in the Roswell area and in your life as a boy there, did you hear of other strange things going on, uh, whether it be other UFO sightings or, uh, I don't know, people didn't generally talk about this sort of thing as much as they do now, but did you notice other sort of strange things in the neighborhood going on in addition well, actually, to what happened to you? Actually, no. You know, I just, uh, like I said, it was summertime and... Uh, I was not. I was aware that there were strange sightings in the air that they call flying saucers. Uh, uh, I, I vaguely remember hearing about them, but didn't pay any attention to them because of having too much time during the summertime. Yeah. But no, I can't say there was anything strange or unusual about uh, about what was going on around me at that time. Okay. Well, well, I remember being eleven. I had better things to do too than pay attention to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, uh, yes. Well, do you have any, any questions here? I'm working, we go? I'm working on okay, it. Okay, fine. No, that's good. All right. Um, so, uh, may I, I, not to pursue that ad nauseum, but have you, uh, in ensuing years or before, have you had any other UFO experiences or anything else that might be referred to as paranormal? Well, you know, the only time I saw anything strange was happened to be in Iraq, as a matter of fact. We're, oh, yeah, I was just going to ask about that. Yeah. yeah. We were flying back from, uh, to Crete, back to Balad about, you know, I was, about midnight or one o'clock in the morning, and there's this light just streaming across the uh, desert floor. You know, it was a no-fly zone, so there should not have been any aircraft out there. And uh, and we were in Blackhawks, and which flew under uh, night vision goggle uh, vision, and because uh, you didn't you don't have any visible lights, because if, if you shone light, you might get shot down. Uh, so all the lights were shut off. But yeah, here's this bright light just going across the uh, desert, up heading up toward Turkey. And it's just light that uh, was supposed to be there, but I have no idea what it is. Just a light in the sky. Mm-hmm. It may not have been anything. Well, that's very interesting because, according to our information, there's been a tremendous uh, outbreak of UFO incidents uh, since the beginning of the Gulf War in the Middle East. And there yeah. have been reports coming out of encounters, landings, things of this kind that uh, really are not being all that well publicized, I don't think. 
But uh, yeah. I think that's very interesting. Again, perhaps uh, uh, the tip of an iceberg sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, maybe just how, how did your mom handle all this back in '47? What did she think of all? Well, this? well, she was the you know typical hush housewife from the mid 1940s, kind of uh, kept to herself and uh, you know raising the family, you know, just a good housewife and. Uh, uh, she was aware of all these things, but really didn't uh, discuss it or didn't seem to have much uh, input for that. Okay. Did you have any siblings? No. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you were it. Yeah. Well, I well, I had a brother sixteen years older than me, so I kind of was it too. Uh, I, I assume you know Ted Phillips. From uh, yeah, I know of him. Yeah. Okay, well, Ted, yeah, he's he's a friend of ours. He's been on the show a number of times. He's uh, probably the greatest um, guy for assembling evidence of, of landings uh, of, mm-hmm. of UFOs all around the world and this sort of thing. He has noticed something that we have noticed, and I wonder if you've noticed it too, and that is that the uh, the metallic craft sort of thing with legs that lands or you just see it in the sky or anything seems to be less common and what seems to be more common are what is known, I suppose, what are known in the paranormal as orbs or balls of light, things that seem more non-material. Um, have you noticed this in, in your paranormal, in, in your UFO travels? I know you speak at conferences and things. And uh, if so, what do you think of that? Is, is it, he thinks maybe the technology is changing on whoever's doing this, or perhaps our perception is changing. What say you? Well, I don't know. You know, you know, during the war, uh, uh, during combat missions over Germany, you know, they saw what's called Foo Fighters. Sure. And and we thought they were German secret weapons. And uh, when the Germans talked about, it, they thought they were our secret weapons. So right. uh, these guys have been around for for quite a while. Uh, Foo Fighter, just uh, luminous globes. Uh, you know, who knows what they were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, just, I don't know I just, whether this technology is changing or whatever. I don't know. Okay, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back with some more questions for our very distinguished and pleasant guest, Jesse Marcel, Dr. Jesse Marcel, son of Jesse Marcel, the first intelligence officer at the Roswell UFO crash site. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. We'll be right back, so stick around. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky New horizons, no boundaries.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Leave. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, this is Paul, and our guest with us today is Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr. And we are talking of the Roswell UFO incident, and we are going to... You know, incidents. It's only one single incident. My grammar is just not that great at the moment. So we're going to, we're going to get into a little something different. Um, I don't know why we forgot to ask about this in the beginning, but um, so Jesse, there were uh, accounts from different witnesses that there were uh, hieroglyphics written on uh, pieces of the debris. Did you see any of this? Yes, uh, that was the thing that really set this off for me. Uh, uh, the you know. Part of the wreckage that I saw was you know, like little beam, you know, shaped like little eye beams. Uh, not very big, but uh, I, the one I saw was about 18 inches long, about three inches of an inch, and cross sectional diameter. But you know, in the inner surface of this beam, there were what I thought was hieroglyphics. You know, it, uh, uh, but it really wasn't hieroglyphics. You know, there's no animal figures, you know, no Egyptian stuff, but uh, more like geometric symbols and uh, uh, just different different ge- geometric symbols, and they were uh, kind of a purple-violet hue, semi-reflective of light, and that's what really uh, caught my attention. Well, there's a question, I don't know, I don't want to step on your lines here, Ben. Oh, uh, technically I don't have a line. Okay, well, there's one question, Jesse, I've wanted to ask you for like 25 years. Uh, the symbols on the craft that Jim Paston, one of the witnesses of the Rendlesham case, wrote down in his notebook that he saw uh-huh. on the craft that he approached, and touched. Um, I wondered how they might compare with the symbols on the cra- on the the bits of, of debris that you saw. You know, I don't know because I'm not sure I've seen the symbols that they saw. Why don't I send them to you next time okay. you can respond to that question? Yeah, really. Okay, all right. Uh, but you know, I, I, I have nothing to really compare these with. Okay. Yeah, that might be kind of groundbreaking if there was a similarity. Uh, on, uh, now, of course, the thing with the uh, the Rendlesham cases that uh, Jim Paniston and John Burroughs, the two of the Air Force guys who were there, interpret this as uh, these as time travelers because uh, I saw a video of his of his hypnosis and he himself has confirmed this to us that he believed that uh, these were well as he put it in, in when he was under uh, these were not aliens they were us and he believed from from the future from some remote point in the future, coming back, in his opinion, to uh, revivify their DNA or gene pool or something of that kind. So that's kind of a whole different business here, but who knows? I mean, one never knows. But just, you were at the uh, citizen hearings, correct? Yes. And we also had a guest on, was it a week ago or two weeks ago, where Gary Hesseltine... I can't remember, time flies and you're having fun, so Gary Hesseltine, the British police official who was in <laughs> Washington for those... Yes. There, there you go. Don't know what date is. Time flies. Oh, hey, I'm 60 years old. You're great. Alrighty. So, what was your experience with the uh, citizen hearings? Well, it was very good. I enjoyed it. There's a lot of very interesting people uh, there. You know, the, the Congress critters, Congress people were very nice and very understanding, and and uh, they uh, they're quite interested in this thing. So, but and I've met a lot of interesting people. You know. Uh, 
Ed Mitchell was a friend of mine. He didn't make it personally, but I did talk with him on the phone. You know, Ed Mitchell was a Apollo 14 astronaut. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's and he, uh, and he, yeah, well, you know him, right? He's, he's a great guy. Oh, yeah, 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 he is. Well, we didn't get a chance to actually talk to Gary about what happened. He just sort of, he, he went on for a very long time. Well, he, he was but... talking about the various uh, things he's documented, the p- police sightings of UFOs and police encounters, this sort of thing. Indeed. So what was the ultimate goal of the citizen hearings? I think to get uh, interest in uh, congressional people to see what they can do about getting this thing opened up into uh, so the public can know what happened. Uh, and uh, I think you know, they whatever pull they have, they're going to exert enough uh, influence, maybe on the powers to be, to get this thing into the public's eye. More than just what rumors and things like that. Well, this brings us to something that's kind of a sore point with me, and uh, we we this comes up every time we have Steve Bassett on the show. Steve Bassett, of course, being a sort of as we call him a UFO a disclosure activist. A disclosure means yeah. that they're going to spill the beans mm-hmm. and all this. And uh, I've asked him several times that. Steve, first of all, what if the government doesn't know anything? I mean, at least not as much as you think they do. And he says, well, they do. So, I mean, the, the end, end of argument. And I said, what, what if they do know? And it's so horrifying. Or, I mean, there's evidence of, of stuff that, that, about our origins and our purpose that is chilling and that I'm not going to get into right now, but that we have in other shows. And uh, I don't even want to think about it. Suppose that this is some sort of confirmation of that, or these are not who we think they are, they're not what we think they are, or, or we, we, we are just, you know, we assume that they'd be on our level, that we could communicate with them, negotiate, uh, exopolitics, as, as they say. But what if, that, what if none of that is true? What if some of it... Well, yeah, well you know, that, that thought has entered my mind, too, about uh, maybe this is something that we, that we really don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Knows, but, uh, and you know, it could says, be, well, well, I still want to know it, even if I don't want to know it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, human curiosity being what it is, but uh, yeah, I thought about that too. That uh, maybe, you know, the closed mouth about this thing. That uh, somebody's got to know something about this, and uh, if they're not telling, why not tell us? Well, that that's it. Uh, there are more mundane explanations. Uh, the entire business of uh, Colonel uh, Corso, who was the a fellow who supposedly, he certainly was a serving officer with a distinguished record. He certainly. Uh, was uh, there at the Pentagon, but he his book, uh, written in, in his uh, latter years, was that uh, said that he had the Roswell material. He was in charge of it, and his job was to seed it into American industrial, into the American industrial world. And uh, that sounds very practical and this sort of thing. And I wonder if some sometimes the uh, the reason for at least some of the secrecy, if if it is the scenario such as we envision, is uh, simply industrial. Industrial secrecy, the fear of industrial espionage, the fear of other countries getting this technology or something like that, or simply plain commercial interest. Uh, that's a well, big possibility. Yeah, I, you know. Well, I tell you, you know, this is, uh, UFO phenomenon is not solely with the United States. It's a worldwide. So sure, yeah. what are we have, Russia has, and, you know, you know, other countries have the same stuff that we do. So uh, I don't think there's anything like that going on. Okay. Yeah. yeah, because there's, there's been some opinion expressed on the show that it's about bucks. All comes down to money sooner or later. Yeah. But uh, I, I tend to uh, would agree with, with I think what your point of view might be, and, and that's that uh, there is a danger of uh, social consequences here, civil consequences if, if yeah. certain if, if certain of this information comes out. I don't know. Um, let me get back to 
your your uh, when you were a lad in Roswell here with this question. When Ben first came aboard with me, I've been doing this for many decades, and Ben turned 13, and his mom and I had a long discussion because he was very interested in this field, uh, paranormal in general. And uh, interestingly enough, on the way to, I took it the first time I took him to a case was he was what were you eight in Connecticut at that herb farm? I must have been. Yeah. And he said a strange thing. He said, Dad, there are going to be UFOs involved in this case. I said, how, what? Because at the time, I, I still wasn't connecting the dots. And sure enough, when we got there to talk about the person's ghost issues, she said, it's funny he should say that because, yes, there have been UFO sightings on this property. And that was sort of the uh, – Ben was very, very helpful uh, right from his first day, but he started really when he was 13. And I found it very interesting that, that he was able to talk – to people who wouldn't talk to me, namely other kids. They would trust him, and they wouldn't trust grown-ups. So my question to you is, when you were young, when you were 11 there, and this was going on, what were the kids talking about? Did they have any information that they overheard stuff from their parents? or Was there any any action in that direction? Well, actually, you know, my my dad did fly the uh, material to uh, General Ramey's office at Fort Worth, and uh, that's where he's told to, to... to just never talk about this again. And uh, when he came back home to Roswell, he sat my mother and myself down to, and told us uh, in no uncertain terms that we were never to talk about this again, which we didn't. Mm-hmm. So I didn't discuss this with my friends or anybody. And uh, it was just, uh, it was there, but uh, we didn't talk about it. Oh, uh, no, no, I, I about agree. It. Well, I remember in my day, uh, which was a little bit after your day in the military, yeah. uh, and I was in the Coast Guard. But there was still yeah, a lot of interesting stuff going on, and uh, you um, you were told first of all, if you had a, you had a clearance, it's need to know only. Just because you have a clearance, secret or top secret, doesn't mean that you're just people just t- tell you everything. You know, it's yeah. need to know only. Exactly. Uh, and also that uh, there were um, how should I put this? I don't know. Well, you know, important things going on that you might know about that you certainly couldn't talk about. However, there was a certain realization seemingly that people starting from the 70s and 80s onward, particularly the 80s and onward, just didn't keep their mouths shut. And that um, disinformation, as it came to be known, might be more effective than just trying to keep secrets. So you feed information from funny sources, inaccurate information from accurate sources, all this business, and uh, that's and you just keep everybody guessing, and everybody loves a mystery, so everybody's happy, and nobody knows anything. <laughs> that seems, yeah. to be, uh, seems to have been how intelligence has evolved. But that leads to the question of uh, the UFO thing never really going anywhere. In other words, it seems like we've been at this for really, I don't know, centuries, if you look at it. Well, and, thousands uh, of years, actually. Yeah, thousands, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thousands of years, sure. And uh, particularly from the Roswell crash onward, a lot of attention. But we still do, do we really know any more than, than we did in July of 1947? You know, uh, maybe some people do. I don't Maybe. because, uh, you know, I'm just an observer of one event, so uh, I'm not a researcher like Stan Friedman. So uh, I'm sure we know a lot more about that now than well, we that, did before. I, I hope so. Yeah, well, that would be good. Well, on that happy note, we're going to take another break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Van Eno on CBS News Sky Radio. And our wonderful guest, Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr., we will be right back to finish up our conversation. Stay with us. Enlighten, empower, enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons, 
no boundaries. How far will you go? How deep is your love? Your body's bruised and on fire. Can stop the world, can stop desire. is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno as we have Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr. with us as we finish up with our final segment of the show. So I wanted to just sort of sum things up, but before we do that, I wanted to give Jesse a chance to tell you about his book and his website and where you can find out more. Jesse, take it away. Well, you know, I wrote a book called Roswell Legacy. It can be uh, had at, you know, Amazon. Uh, and uh, just I used to I used to have a website, but I really don't have one right now. Uh, I guess Jesse Marcel would, you know, if you, uh, if you go ahead and put that in, 
into Google, Jesse Marcel, that will give you a lot of information. That, uh, but uh, I've kind of thrown out of this business, but, uh, but the book is still available, John. It's on Kindle, too. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, uh, there are links on our site, uh, BehindTheParanormal.com, under the Past Guests page, and you'll see uh, Jesse will be in there tonight, and uh, we have a link to the to the, the book and, and okay. sort of thing in there. So, so by all means, check that out, everybody. Um, Jesse, uh, there's there are all sorts of questions about Roswell. Um, after the events occurred, after your dad went to the site and brought back material and this sort of thing, Colonel Blanchard, the commander of the Roswell Army Airfield, yeah, uh, released a, a press release just blurting out that, that they'd found a flying disc, as I guess he put it. Well, what was that? I think we got nailed for that. But what? do you have any idea why he did that? Well, I guess, you know, uh, he prematurely released this in the press. You know, Walter Houghton, who was the uh, PIO at the right. base there, uh, released the uh, article about this thing. And, uh, post <laughs> oh, yeah, and, I didn't uh, anything on UFOs. And, uh, you know, Colonel Blanchard uh, used to, was a good friend of my dad. And he and his wife used to come over to our house to play bridge all the time. Hmm. Uh, but apparently, he, uh, Colonel Blanchard saw the debris. He knew what it was. This is uh, not an aircraft of our own design, but came from someplace else. So he wrote, told Walter to go ahead and release the story. And then, uh, but when the story really got out, uh, General uh, Ramey in Fort Worth killed it. He says, "Don't ever write anything about this again. Yeah, uh, don't ever talk about it again." So they they entered the story right there. Okay. Was this the origin of the so-called, uh, Stan believes it was, the so-called Majestic 12 group, group of professors and military high-ranking officers and this sort of thing who got together to decide what to do about this, what was believed to be an alien visitation? Uh, what, was, that, was, that the, was Roswell the, uh, the origin of that group? Oh, the Majestic 12? Yeah. You're kind of broken up there. Oh, you know, Stan is one who... Uh, Really researched this, uh, you know. Like I didn't, I read it, and it, uh, well, taking it face evidence, uh, it, it, it tells a whole story right there about the Roswell. Thing. Right, right. Yeah, the excellent book. Uh, I can practically see it from where I sit. The issue of alien bodies also, of course, came up, and uh, your mm-hmm. dad, uh, as I understand it, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, of course, when was sent to Fort Worth uh, to see General Ramey to pose for the press with debris that was not yeah. from the crash site, and that that they. <laughs> wanted the press to believe was actually or actually was from a weather balloon. Uh, yeah, it was. He, it was. He, yeah, okay, so that all happened. Yeah, I, I saw those photographs. You know, Bob Johnson of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram took those pictures. And I, when I saw those pictures, you know, my dad is holding up a, a portable of a radar target there and look on his face told it all. He said, you got to be kidding me. This is yeah, not exactly. what I'm doing yeah. here. And you held the real <laughs> stuff in your own hand. Yeah, really, and uh, yeah. this is totally different. Uh, gosh, well, well, that's what convinced me that uh, it was real, the fact that they wanted to cover it up so badly. Yeah, well, exactly. There is a, I've seen a, a uh, an analysis, uh, now I don't know whether it's, uh, you've seen this or whether it's accurate or not, of a piece of paper that I guess it was General Ramey was holding in his hand in one of the photographs. Right, and yeah. what What's that about? Supposedly it talks about everything that, would contradict what's in the picture. Well, fortuitously, uh, General Ramey had a telegram or a memo uh, describing the, uh, the Roswell debris mm-hmm. in the crash site. And uh, as it turns out, when the Bob Johnson took the photograph, 
he must have a real sharp focus for his cameras there because uh, uh, the writing came out under computer enhancement and the, the telegram or memo described victims of the wreck and uh, uh, the crash site. And this, and you know, in a balloon accident, there are no victims. There's no wreck. Yeah, that, that's right. Well, there was, other things of course, the technology too. at the time didn't exist to do what we can do today and read the thing that's in his hand. It didn't exist at the time. I guess. The um, there is a rumor that uh, let me oh there is a uh, a rumor. What uh, one of the versions of the story is that the, there was a weather balloon involved, but that the the craft collided with the weather balloon. I mean, is there any evidence for that? In your opinion, <laughs> I uh, really would have a hard time believing that. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. uh, you know, if that thing can travel interstellar distances, it, it isn't going to collide with a kite <laughs> and crash. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe an ultralight. When you, and I, just, I hate to let you go here, this is so fascinating. Just one final question before we uh, we break here, because we have to, you know, we're just about at the end. This material you held, even the I-beams, how, how heavy were they? Very light. It's like feathers. You know, like uh, like the the foil. It's yeah. almost like if you pick a piece of it up and um, drop it, it just flutter down like a feather. Amazing. Okay. Well, Dr. Jesse Marcel, thank you for a fascinating conversation, and we'll be in well, touch off the air. I'll send you that material from Rendlesham. I'd like to hear what you think of it. Okay. Yeah. Do that. And uh, it's been my pleasure and good talking with you. Well, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Good yeah. Very good. Alrighty, so check out our website, BehindTheParanormal.com, and where you can find over 500 free podcasts and past shows. And also check out our site at www.NewEnglandGhosts.com, where there are case studies and photos along with articles by my dad. And again, just as you can get uh, Dr. Uh, Marcel's book on uh, Amazon Kindle, you can get mine as well in Barnes & Noble Nook. Uh, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. And I don't know if we should say it. I'm not going to say it. Uh, there, there, there may be another book coming out uh, by the end oh, of this okay. year, beginning of next year. Uh, we'll tell you more about that. We're, we're, we're kind of excited about that. And if you buy my books on either of those sites, NewEnglandGhosts.com or BehindTheParanormal.com, you will help keep us uh, keep those podcasts free. And there are over 500 podcasts of our shows, including... The Roswell, I should say, the uh, Rendlesham Forest uh, UFO series that we mentioned earlier in our talk with Jesse and Marcel. Uh, also on our site, you'll find a direct link to the city of Moore, Oklahoma, devastated by the tornado a few weeks ago, and uh, their donation page. And of course, again, more damage from tornadoes this week. So please check that out and please help out those folks. Also, you'll find links to uh, Builders Helping Heroes and several veteran sites that are assisting our uh, gallant veterans both in the U.S. and Canada. So please check out our, the bottoms of our web pages there for those charities and do whatever you can. It would be much appreciated. So many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and we will see you next week. And we will host an open line show to respond to many thought-provoking and intelligent questions and comments that continue to come from our listeners. And send your questions via, via online, the online forum at BehindTheParanormal.com or email to Paul Eno or Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com. I don't know why I can't speak tonight. I don't know. It's too hot. In the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time show on WON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com at 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. Check out over uh, those podcasts again at BehindTheParanormal.com. We leave you this evening with a thought from person or persons unknown. 
two things define you, your patience when you have nothing and your attitude when you have everything. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. Thanks for joining us on a great cosmic journey, and we shall see you 